0: No, my Heidi Mike, it ain't a tucker. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National Wallace Chapman here. Kia Mai Kia Mo Tunnel Mai Koto Kato coming up on the program. The report of the National MP Sam Offendale by KC Maria Jew will not be made public should there be a legal obligation for it to be made public. Also, Public Service Commissioner Peter Hughes will investigate contracts with Government Minister Nanaima Huta's husband's business. We touch on that this afternoon. Also, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has announced an initiative to research social media algorithms to create a secure internet Will it make a difference? And the percentage of New Zealand university students who are men has hit an all-time low. 39% of our local uni students are men. Does that matter? Plus, can you believe it? Christmas items popping up here and there already. Do you believe, like I do, that this Christmas creep is insidious, lacking etiquette, or does it bring you joy? Oh, and 45 years ago today... One album lands like a spacecraft from another planet with a sound all of its own.
1: Will he offer me his hunger?
0: Yes. What is it? Text me two one zero one email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With us this afternoon, Susan Hornsby Gallic, managing partner of Dundas Street Lawyer. Susan, lovely to have you on the panel again.
2: Kiora Wallace.
0: And Phil O'Reilly, the managing Director of Iron Duke Partners, business leader, sure to know that album. Don't tell us yet, though. Phil, oh, how are oh, you? Oh,
3: I can't. I can't. I. Oh, uh, no. It's it was a fantastic album. <laughs> yeah. I'm very well, thank you, Wallace. And it's a beautiful spring day here in Wellington is for it? your listeners. Absolutely, <laughs> is it? Treasure a cloud it. in the sky, no rain. It's great. Treasure that memory, Phil.
0: <laughs> All right, now. <laughs> Look, in a time when disagreement seems more on trend than ever, even when it comes to facts, a US study has sought to understand the most effective ways for people with differing opinions to find common ground. The key difference seems to be the personalities present in the groups. The ones with mediators tended to discuss things constructively, encouraging others rather than pushing their own opinions. The groups with, quote, blowhards, wound up being less aligned. So to discuss is clinical psychologist Dr. Jackie Maguire. Dr. Maguire, kia ora.
1: Hi, well how are
2: you?
0: Good, and I found this uh, article study really fascinating because it speaks uh, a whole lot to uh, experiences of which many of us have been finding the last year or two. What was your interpretation of this study's
1: results? When I read Jackie through Maguire. the paper... And I suppose I look at that and I go, these there's a group of individuals are having conversations about pretty low stakes agendas. They're not having conversations about political, uh, social topics. But when I read through the results, what I see is what I think we all probably know at our core is that human beings don't like to have their power taken away from them. We don't like to be told what to do. And if we want to influence, negotiate, if we want to try and gain consensus in a group the best way to do that is to seek to understand, is yeah. to ask, ask questions and listen, is to really try and gain perspective on, on other people's views. And if we take that approach, you're going to have far more chance of success uh, than coming in dictatorial or telling huh. people what to think.
0: We don't like to be told what to do. I was fascinated by this because gaining consensus is the way to do it, apparently. But i tell you what, Jackie, gaining consensus is an extremely hard thing to do.
1: It it absolutely is And I suppose the question is When do we need to fully have 100% consensus And are we ever going to achieve that And I suppose I think of leaders and organisations And I go their role as a leader Is to put questions out Is to gain perspective Is to show people respect That I want to hear your opinion I'm keen to hear your ideas And then as a leader, their role is to take all that information and to make a decision. And that may not be that they get everybody in agreement all the time. But if their process has been fair uh, and if their process has enabled people to be heard, then I think they're doing a good job.
0: Yeah, really wonderful stuff, Jackie. Uh, Susan, I guess uh, for you it would be a case, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, your way is the highway, am I right?
2: No, absolutely not. Um, And in fact, um, in employment mediations, which I do a a lot of, Hmm. I totally agree with uh, what Jackie is saying in the sense that um, if you go in and you try and steamroll somebody, all you do is um, put their back against the Uh, wall and entrench positions. So um, certainly in practice... Practice. My experience is totally consistent with um, Jackie's excellent advice, which is uh, listen, uh, ask questions, and let somebody come to their own conclusions in their own time. Okay. Yeah, stay
3: there, Jackie. Phil. Well, Jackie, I was interested in this 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 um, this point about discussion because one of the challenges I think we potentially have in, in doing what's a very sensible process and a very sensible piece of research is is are people brave enough or do they trust the process enough to actually say something because you know, one of the challenges here of course is what the study's talking about is you have a conversation, you have questioning and, and answering and so on and people start to see a different point of view. Well of course one of the challenges we've got in many debates is that is that people simply won't speak because they're convinced and they won't actually engage because they don't trust. So how do we build those kind of trusting environments where people are prepared to, no. you know, to get a bit do you, if you're like a bit scared, and say something.
1: So what you were talking about there is psychological safety, which would be the formal term for that. If you, if you take away the formal term, it's we trust each other to speak up, share, have candid debate without risk of being judged, shamed of it coming into you know risk of my career progression, etc. When you look at the research, and for example, if you take Google's uh, major study, Project Aristotle, they showed psychological safety was the number one factor behind high, high performing successful teams that comes down to as a leader what's the environment i've created for people to speak up and there's a you know there are some key components to that one my people or you know my people know whether it's leaders or government or whoever you're talking about when when i'm trying to get information my people know that that i care that i need their help that i need their brain that i don't have it all that that needs some vulnerability from a a leader saying that, you know, I, I don't have it all, we need to do this collaboratively. Two, you have to be consistent. Anytime you ask for people to bring their opinions, viewpoints to the table, you have to show respect in, in listening to people. doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but you do have to have a fair and respectful process of thanking them for, for bringing right. their ideas. If you shame, slam, put put people down, you know, you very much minimise the chance that someone else will speak up in the future.
0: Um, we're talking about this article it was actually in the New York Times how to change minds a study making the case for actually uh, talking uh, it out Uh, and what was also interesting too the study revealed at least one factor that does make it hard to reach a chord a group member whose strident opinions drown out Mm. everyone else and I think that every single person listening to this could relate to that Jackie
1: well, I think you have, that's the mediator role, right? If there yeah. is somebody that is drowning somebody out. And funnily enough, Zoom's done a job itself of minimizing that. When everybody has equal viewpoint on a screen, it's pretty noticeable when one person speaks up more than others. But I think that's yeah. the role of a mediator yeah. or leader is to carefully navigate how you get, how you get that talking stick spread, you know, which is pointedly perhaps asking for someone's viewpoint is by saying it's really important we hear from everybody uh, and being able to navigate that without putting the strident talker down. Because again if you put that person down, that shows everyone else, well I'm at risk of being put down too. This is
0: such a, must, be, must be such an important issue Susan in, a, in the line of work that you do.
2: Oh, I think it absolutely is. I mean, you see situations of claims of bullying and so on sort of arising out of these sorts of behaviours, and people who think that they can uh, persuade people by expressing their view, then expressing it again more loudly if the person doesn't seem to agree or understand, um, given that you know, simple repetition is not necessarily persuasive. So I, I really like what Jackie has had to say in terms of really emphasising the importance of listening and understanding um, And then coming to a collaborative view. Very, very good. Yeah. Final
0: comment
3: to Phil. Well, I think the the, one of the challenges we face in New Zealand and why we we need to practice this is. Is our rather passive-aggressive culture a bit? You know, when the when the waiter says, "Is the food any good?" You say, "Yes, it's great," and then you go and bitch on TripAdvisor or something. You know, that's that we've got a bit of that culture in New Zealand where do we're not prepared. We to... Do you
0: think we're passive-aggressive as a Yeah, mentioned?
3: we are. We are a little bit. Well, that's that's the study. That's the that's what the studies tell me over the years. And you do see a little bit. Of that. So the point is to actually practice this. Is actually to practice some of the stuff as a leader. I think to 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 uh, actually practice this kind of work inside teams, inside your local PTA or wherever you're going, in order to build these teams where people are prepared to say something because you don't just can't take it for granted that, and as, I, as I think is being the point being made by Jackie, that you you can't just hope, you can't just start this behaviour and hope. You need to build, um, um, you know, some sort of uh, consistency and trust, and I think that's really important okay. in a New Zealand context.
0: Really interesting stuff, Dr Maguire Kiorum, Thank you uh, very much for your time there. It is five to four. Wallace, why do you mock Wellington's weather? I do not live there, but I visit regularly.
2: I'm sitting here in a fur coat. Phil will confirm that. Literally, it is so cold. Faux fur. Uh, Let me be clear about that. Uh, yeah, very <laughs> I, I, had to, I had to
3: buy a, a rubbish bag to put over myself, which was really attractive walking up the terrace. Well, uh,
0: Wellington's weather is a heck of a lot better than most other places in Aotearoa, where the weather hang on for days. Rain, cold, drought, certainly Northland. Auckland, rainy, windy, humid and horrible. Wellington, wake up to lousy cold southerly, gone by lunchtime, a beautiful, sparkly afternoon. I can tell you I am not sitting here right now and an Auckland studio mocking the weather of Wellington. I have been there. I spent two days there about ten years ago, and the weather—no, <laughs> no, hear me up. The weather was absolutely brilliant. I, I, I had a gelato on the waterfront, and it was just fantastic. So there you go. All right. Um, by the way, you've all got—you've um, uh, all got the album. Every single one of you seems to own the album. We're playing at four thirty, but anyway, time for I've been thinking. Susan, take it away.
2: Oh, I've been thinking about how much I love cycling and the cycling community. So, um, with you know spring weather, I've been out and about on my bike, and there's just something so you know majestic about gliding along yep. the tar seal, you know man machine smooth uh, in harmony with nature and everything. And then um, I tend to cycle by myself, but the cycling groups that come along and then go, oh, I latch onto the back of us, you know, they've got this ethos that they don't leave anyone behind and there's just something really nice about cycling, about being out there and being part of that community, so I wanted to share that uh, in case it inspires somebody else to um, to do that and you don't need to wear lycra and be particularly fit, although I must say I um, I do like my costumes but it's just like, get out there on an e-bike, get out there on a rusty cruise or whatever, but um, give cycling a chance, it's fantastic Poetry and motion, Susan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it poetry and like motion. It. Majesty, Beautiful, majesty and grace.
3: Beautifully said. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I've been thinking, Phil O'Reilly. Well, actually, I had a not not cycling, but but spring. I was I visited. I should tell your listeners a garden centre in Lower Hut on the weekend. I haven't done that for months, and I know that's a very middle-class bourgeois thing to do to visit a garden centre and buy some pots and some pot plants and some soil and so on. That's for sure. But I did it and it was great and it reminded me that spring is coming despite the weather today in Wellington. And it's it's wonderful, isn't it? This is a very consequential spring that we're getting into. It's our first spring without sort of very hard COVID measures. It'll be our first spring where tourists are coming back in any numbers. It's the first chance of a spring that we can go visit someone else easily. So it's actually quite a consequential spring that's coming up and I hope it'll mean a, a bit of a change in the national demeanour that we're going to be you know, up and at them and, and uh, having a very positive time yeah. so as I said so, my, my trip to the garden centre should be meaningful for the country Wallace
0: what do you plan Phil <laughs> you'd be a rhododendron man oh
3: absolutely R- and rhododendrons? hydrangeas I'm a hydrangeas oh, fanatic Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the pink ones and the blue ones and the white ones it, it's all yeah. on it, it's uh, basically anything in Wellington that doesn't mind a bit of salt
0: what is it about hydrangeas that speaks to um, a deeper level? I, I, I just, I just love them. There's a few photographers who take photos of them. Mm. Arns Westra uh, did a big series of hydrangeas. I think they're just gorgeous, aren't they, Susan?
2: I don't know what they look like. I am sitting here scratching my head, thinking, "God, what are on. they?" <laughs> I'm
0: you, sorry, you don't know what hydrangeas <laughs> look like. No.
2: No, are they the purple ones, the big fat oh, yeah. purple ones? Yeah, that's right, they're, they're beautiful and they're very uh, l-
3: luxuriant. Yeah. Okay. And they, they remind right. me of my grandmother's garden. That's right. So there's a comfort factor to them. That's and, right. they're, and they're easy to grow. They're, they're really are hard. Are they? Yeah, they're, they're easy to Well, I think so. I, yeah. I can grow them. Hydrangeas, is beautiful.
0: Anyway, uh, it is the panel. Susan Hornsby-Gellick and Phil O'Reilly with, with me. And there's a lot to discuss this afternoon from 4 to 5 right here. Stay with us.